Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Amen. 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 Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, friends. It is our minister, Daryl Kendrick, coming to you live from Southern California. It is now 2.33 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the West Coast. Good evening, those that's on uh, Talk Show Radio, those that's on Blog Talk Radio, those that's on Facebook Live, and those who are following this podcast on other sites. Blessings to all of you in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to just uh, say praise the Lord for his mercy and his grace. Praise the Lord for he has given us another day to rejoice in him, another day that we can count it all joy. And again, I say count it all joy. Amen. The call-in number for Blog Talk Radio is 646-668-8468, 646-668-8468. You can call in and listen in, or you can follow me on Facebook Live at Daryl Kendrick. You can just add me to your Facebook messenger there. And uh, again, friends, welcome, 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 welcome. God is good, friends. God is good. Today we're going to be talking about purity in the church. What does it mean? God demands purity in the body of Christ. The Lord demands, commands purity in the body of Christ, in the, in the, in the church. Now, when I say in the church, I'm not talking about in the building. I'm talking about when you were born again, when I was born again, we were declared righteous, justified. God looked at us as a finished product that we would uh, be conformed to his image, uh, that we wouldn't stop doing the things that we needed to do because God, when he saved us, he saved us and called us with a holy calling. And because he called us, he said, he says in his word that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. So I guess that shuts down those who would try to say you can lose your salvation. My thing is, if God was the one that found us, how are we going to lose anything? If God found us, he's more than able to sanctify us. He's more than able to one day completely glorify us and make us ready for the kingdom of God or prepare us for a place in heaven in glory. And that's including our flesh, purifying our flesh. We must understand, friends, that the body of Christ, the body of Christ is not impotent because God did not build some old shack that we call a church. The church is made up of a living, breathing organism of believers who have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ, friends, is not impotent. It's not some old, you know, I'm just going to sprinkle a little blood on you and you're just going to be poof, you come out a Christian. No, that blood continues to flow from heaven to earth upon all believers who are walking, as they say they are, just sanctified, but walking by faith, we're not walking by sight. We don't walk based on what we feel or what we see or what our emotions tell us. We walk based on the word of God and we show that we're walking by faith by being faithful. God has given us everything that we need to live a Christian life. There's nothing that we're lacking, according to Ephesians chapter 1. We have everything we need, everything that we need. You don't need to ask for speaking tongues. You don't need to ask for some 
holy, you know, you know, when you start doing cartwheels or something like that, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm only concerned about what God says we have. We have everything we need, so why are we begging for other things that your gift might not be the same as somebody else's gift? doesn't mean you're lacking anything. You have everything that you need and everything that God wants you to have to live a fruitful life and a purified life. So we're going to be talking about life, uh, a purified life that God has commanded us to live and he's equipped us to live. So we don't have to, at the end of this message, you don't have to worry about do you have what it takes. If you were born again, if you're living a Christian life, spirit-filled life, a life that's where you're walking in obedience as a habit of life, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but I am talking about a Holy Spirit-directed life. Doesn't mean we don't mess up. Doesn't mean we don't we don't blow it at times. I'm talking about what is your bent out of seven days out of the week? What are you? Are you only a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night Bible Christian, or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? That's what a true Christian is. You're following what He did, what He says through His Word, and the Word is became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It leads us to all truth. The word leads us to all truth. The word is truth because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And hopefully some people will get out of this mentality that, A, you can lose your salvation, and, B, you're lacking something because you don't have what other people have in the body of Christ. Your gift is your gift. Whatever God has called you to do with that gift, do it. But stop worrying about other people's gift, because that's not your gift. And when you try to do something that God didn't equip you to do, you're going to mess up, and you're going to be frustrated, and then you're going to start murmuring and complaining, and you start then you start to act like that God ain't real. It becomes discouraging. So we need to understand what the Bible teaches and not what man teaches. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Again, in the call-in number 646-668-8468, if you have any questions or you need prayer or you want to be lifted up at the end of this message, I'll give you an opportunity to call in. 646-668-8468 is a call-in number. So just hang tight. At the end of this message, you'll have an opportunity if you want to share something, if you have a comment about anything that's shared. Because I, I don't say I have all the answers. I don't say that I know everything. By any means, I don't know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I'm not here to say to boast about me. I'm here to boast about him. And I know that when it comes to purity, that God has equipped you and I to be with God, what he wants us to be. And that's to be an example in the body of Christ, an example for those out there in the lost and dying world that's living around us, friends, that say they're Christians, but yet there's no fruit on the tree. And they're living in a whoredom, a state of whoredom. We need to get back to what the Bible teaches, and we need to walk by faith and faithfulness under the unction of the Holy Spirit if you truly have the Spirit of God in you. You have the Spirit of God in you. It's nothing that you can't do for the kingdom. Amen? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for the cross, redemption, salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't come here to make our name great. We come here to lift up the name above all names, our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask, Lord God, right now that everybody that's here, Lord God, we all came with the right attitude and the right mind and the right heart to be, to be ready to receive 
and to be able to grow and mature and that we could walk in purity as soldiers, as warriors of the of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we all decrease and may you increase. May you fill us up right now. May anything that's not of you right now be laid at the side, laid at the foot of the cross, and you take it away, that we can have life and life more abundantly and that we can be uh, be prosperous in your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Uh, again, 646-668-8468-646-668-8468 is a call-in number. Uh, again, uh, if you're in the Los Angeles area, I'd like to invite you out to Core Church of Los Angeles tomorrow night, 730 Bible study. Our midweek Bible study is we're going through the book of Matthew, uh, 730. Go to www.corechurchla.org. That's www.corechurchla.org. Uh, you can get all the information, but it is at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for those that are in the Los Angeles area and you're looking for a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Please come and join us for worship tomorrow night at 7.30. Also, at 2 p.m. tomorrow, I will be giving a word again, <clears throat> like last uh, Thursday, from uh, the Fred Jordan Mission down on Skid Row in Los Angeles. Uh, I was invited back to uh, bring the word to the homeless on Skid Row. And I'm telling you, friends, you really understand how blessed you are when you see people who have who are living in tents. Every week that we go down there, every time we go down there, <clears throat> we see homeless people, real homeless people. We see people demonically possessed and oppressed. And we see people hurting, people who are hopeless. And that's what I'm there to do. That's what the, the people that come there to bring a word, they come there to speak life back into these people and to let them know that they're not insignificant, that they're not nobodies, that they're not zeros, but through Christ they can be raised up and be heroes. And uh, so I need your, you guys' prayer uh, that people will get saved and people will get back on their feet and that people uh, who have the resources will be able to even uh, open up more shelters and more places where people can go to job, uh, job learning centers and get back on the, in, in life. Because some people, you know, they not they don't believe that we care today. They don't know that we care if we're not if we're not there if we're not there to minister to them as well as you know it's one thing to give somebody a food give them food, but it's another thing to let them know that hey God loves you, God loves you. So we want to make sure that we're doing our part. You know, I don't have the money to, if I had money like that, hey, I would do do as much as I could to bless people. But, you know, and I know there's people down there that's on drugs. There's people down there that don't, they don't want to go back into life. They don't want to deal with reality. Some just come to get the fishes and loaves. My brother down there, uh, the, the, he's a chef. He feeds these people. They're not getting no hand-me-down food. They're getting some real good meals, better than the prisons. I, I trust me. So <clears throat> he's a chef. He cares about people. That's his ministry. And people there, you know, they pass out. They give out a lot of resources and a lot of things to help people get back on their feet, but not everybody wants to help. It's just like the gospel. It's just like the gospel. A lot of people, you know, they want Jesus, but they want Jesus on their own terms. Well, I, I, I believe Jesus when he do this and this for me. Well, it don't work like that. God says, hey, come by faith. Trust me and watch me do those things. Watch me uplift you. Watch me uproot you or build you up. 
lot of people want to see first. And God says, no, come by faith. Come by faith. So just keep me in prayer. I will be down there at 2 o'clock tomorrow bringing the word of God. So, hey. I'm excited about it. I'm always excited, and you, you'll you see me, uh, as I usually do, probably sweating up a storm because that's how I get when I start to speak publicly. It's one thing to be in my room and, and do this, but it's another thing to do it uh, around people. And you might say, well, they're just homeless people. No, those are human beings. They're made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, and they are, they are significant. We don't know what them people might turn out to be in the next few years. We don't know what God is going to do with anybody. You know, all we know is that, hey, God is faithful, and nobody is a zero. Nobody is to be cast away and thrown away unless they just don't want Jesus, unless they just don't want Jesus. So let's get into our message, friends. Let's get into our message. Again, 646-668-8468 is the call-in number. Uh, when we finish this, you guys can, if you have any comments, if you want to share, if you want to uh, uh speak out about anything that's said here, you will have that opportunity. Amen? We're going to come out of Titus uh, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Paul was telling Titus, he says, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The, the grace of God had appeared he says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation to all men and women hath appeared. It's, it's been presented. Jesus Christ was the grace of God that appeared to all men. He was the living word. He came to open the eyes of those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. He came to give us hope when there was no hope. Remember. During the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, Rome was in rulership over Israel. Israel was in total submission to the Roman government. Jesus Christ didn't come here to set the captives free from the Roman government. He came to set us free from our sinful ways and our wicked hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 tells it best. Our hearts are desperately wicked. They're sin sick. You might say, but look at the little babies. Look at Yes, they're little babies, but they're little sinners. Left to themselves, as they get older, they will show you their sin nature. As they get older, they'll start to show you how selfish they can be because we have a selfish nature. I used to use the acronym quite frequently, and I hadn't used it in a while. S-I-N, selfish individual nobodies. That's what we were before the cross of Christ. But in the cross, God has given us life and life more abundant. Remember, dead men don't know nothing. They can't tell you nothing spiritual. An atheist is a dead person that cannot give you any godly wisdom. Only thing they can do is keep on just, they talk a lot, but they're not saying nothing. They're not saying much of anything. That's why Paul says, for the grace of God that bring of salvation had appeared to all men. Let me go back a little bit because I don't want you all to miss this. In verse 6, he says, young men, likewise, exhort to be, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, that means scripture, showing uncorruptedness, gra gravity, sincerity. Verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Wouldn't we like to see more of that in the body of Christ? Why is it that the body of Christ or the professing believer seems to have a his tongue or her tongue seems to be so full of vile and, and malice. 
Why is it that the unbel- that the so-called believer who goes to church and says they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and body, and strength, but yet they cannot tame the tongue? Maybe it's because they haven't truly been born again. Maybe it's because they truly have not met the Savior. Maybe it's because they have a form of godliness, but they really deny the power. You and I need to have sound speech that cannot be condemned. In other words, that nobody can say, oh, well, you're a Christian. Why are you talking like that? Why are you using – see, I, I don't understand how these so-called, you know, worldly rappers, these secular rappers can claim they're Christians, yet they blaspheme God by calling women derogatory names, and they use the F-bomb, and they drop all these uh, all this ungodly and in, impure language around their tongue. How can you let sweet water and salt water come out of the same faucet? It's impossible, though. James tells us it's impossible, James chapter 2. It cannot be because our tongue is like a forest fire. It's like a fire that has set a whole forest on fire. And when we cannot, when it's not being tamed by the Holy Spirit, friends, the unclean spirit will tame it or will, will direct it. It's like a snake slithering through. I get real, I look at people real upside down, friends, when I hear this vulgarity coming out of so-called Christians' mouth. I understand a babe in Christ, somebody that's only been in the faith maybe six months, a year. I give you two years. But when you've been a Christian for or professing to be a Christian for 10 or 15 years and you dropping F-bombs like you don't even – there's no shame in it. I got I to wonder who you are. I, I need to know what, what you're saying, what you're doing is not lining up with Scripture. It's not judging. It's saying, look, if I'm out and about with you, you out and about with me, and you, if you saw me uh, looking at a female in a, inappropriately or flirting with her inappropriately and saying something like, you know, I'm checking her out physically, you need to question me. You need to check me. Wait a minute, man of God, what are you doing? Why are you talking to that sister like that? Why are you approaching her like that? Or, or I, I'm supposed to be a, a man of integrity, and you see me going to the store, and all of a sudden I got sticky fingers. I'm putting stuff in my pockets, and I'm I'm just stashing candy in there, and I'm justifying it, saying, "Hey, man, everybody do it." We gotta we gotta cut this cut this out. The Bible said, "Exhorts exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again." Verse 10, not prolonging, but showing all good fidelity that they may have borne the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. I'm going to go, let's change this up because this is King James, and I know it's a little bit confusing. So let's go to the voice translation. Let's go back here to verse 6. He says, encourage the young men or women in the same way in every situation. They should learn to control themselves. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit, amen? Titus Titus 7 and 8, you you have to set a good example for everyone. Go out of your way to do what is right. Speak the truth with the weight and authority that come from an honest and pure life. No one can argue with you with that. Then your enemies will cower in shame because they have nothing bad to say against you. See, when you and I are doing what's right, friends, the worst they can say is that, oh, 
Man, he ain't going to do that because, man, he he one of them Christians. He ain't going to do that. She ain't going to do that because she one of them Christians. All she's going to do is give you that word, but she ain't going to do that. Uh, they know when you – see, when they know you serious and committed to the cross of Christ, they don't bother asking you. The best example we can be, friends, is when you and I used to be out in that world and our old crew, our old friends, our old, old partners in crime no longer see us the way we used to be, but they say, I remember when you used to do this, or I remember when you used to do that. Let it be said that you used to do it. Not, oh, I saw you five minutes ago doing it. You know, you had, uh, uh, you was having a relationship with somebody that's not your wife. You, 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 you know, I saw you over there looking at that woman inappropriately, inappropriately like she was a, a piece of meat. Or I saw you over there getting drunk, you know, tossing that bottle back or smoking the weed. Let them say that that's what you used to do. Not, not every time they come up to you say, hey, man, you want to hit this? You want to drink that? You want to go to hang at the strip club? Come on now. Verse 9, advise all the servants, work hard for your masters, in other words, your employer, and be loyal to them. Strive to please. Don't be rude or sarcastic. We are called to live a life that exemplifies Christ even on our jobs. You may not like your boss. Your boss may not like you, but you better love him in Jesus' name. You better love them as a, a child of God loves his enemies. And you pray for those that despitefully use you and come against you. Because God can do wonders with a heart, friends. He can change a heart at any given time he pleases. The point is, the issue is, are we, do we walk by faith believing that God can do the impossible, or do we think he's impotent, that he can't move mountains? See, moving mountains, friends, ain't about a physical mountain. It's a trial. It's a tribulation. It's something that we're going through in life that we feel where we can't do anything but pray and thank God in the midst of the storm. <laughs> it's not about moving a big old mountain. Or I'm waiting for this big old mountain in my way to move. No. It's about the trials, the hardships, the things that are coming against us as believers that's causing us uh, it's causing us aggravation, but we need to trust God. We need to be in the valley of the shadow of death and don't fear no evil, for he is with us, and he's able to do the impossible. In verse 11, he says, we have cause to celebrate because the grace of God has appeared, offering the gift of salvation to all people. Grace arrives with its own instruction, run away from anything that leads us away from God. Abandon the lust and passions of this world. Live life now in this age with awareness and self-control, doing the right thing and keeping yourself holy. That's from the voice translation, which is a very powerful exhortation and biblical, uh, uh, biblical example of what we need to do. Notice what he says here again. Verse, verse 11, we have cause to celebrate because the grace of God has appeared, offering the gift of salvation to all people. Jesus Christ has appeared, and he left us here. He left here the Holy Spirit, which offers us salvation. Once the Spirit of God comes into you, he, he, you're baptized in the body of Christ. The, the water baptism is just a symbolic action of what's already taken place. Notice what he what he says, what he does not say. He says, we have cause to celebrate because the grace of God has appeared offering us baptism. He didn't say that. 
He says salvation. Salvation came from the Savior. The Holy Spirit seals us with this promise. And it's to all people. All who would accept him by faith can receive this uh, this grace and this forgiveness of sins and their trespasses. They can be made a new creation. Verse 12, he says, grace arrives with its own instruction. He says, run away. Run away from the, the uh, run. It says, uh, run away from the from. Uh, excuse me, run away from anything that leads us away from God. If there is somebody, listen, sisters, brothers, brothers. If anybody is trying to lead you away from the cross, you tell them to get lost. Tell Satan, get behind me. You an offense to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get ye behind me. Rebuke them in the name of Jesus. They're not your friend. They're not here for your best interest. They're not here to bring you to lift up the name that's above all names. They're trying to steal your joy. They're trying to get you to walk away from truth to the lie. And there are some pastors out there right now, friends, so-called pastors that have abandoned, shipwrecked. They have left the faith because they never was truly grounded and rooted in the faith. They were imposters from the beginning. And see, God always uses, he will test each and every one of us with the word. The word of God is going to try us day in and day out. You and I have to remember, friends, trials are sent to test us, to show us who we are and what we are. That the areas that we weaken, God shows us. But see, when you and I abandon, because we don't want to go through no trials or tribulations, because there's a lot of churches out there that will tell you, oh, you ain't supposed to suffer anything. You ain't supposed to go through nothing. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, everything was paid for, and your life is supposed to be easy peasy, and you're just supposed to have a great old time down here. That's a lie, my friends. That is not biblical truth. That is not in the Bible. The Bible clearly says all who desire to live a godly life shall suffer persecution. The more you get closer to God, the more the enemy gets close to you. And sends more attacks upon you, the more your flesh starts to fight against the cross. Because your flesh can't stand to be governed by the Holy Spirit. It's at war with the Holy Spirit. And the world itself cannot stand us. Stop trying to befriend the world. We need to love them with the truth, but don't try to give them some kind of popcorn sermon, think they're going to fall in love with Jesus through that. No. It's the cross, the message. Don't try to change the message to please those who are receiving it. Don't try to make them feel good about the message. You want to let Christ minister to their hearts. If that means they need to be convicted, amen. Let the conviction be. That's what changes us. That's what's going to make us a new creation. Notice what he says again in verse 12. Grace arise with its own instruction, run away from anything that leads us away from God, abandon the lust and passions of this world, anything that's trying to draw you to to it or that or them, and it's not of the cross, you need to get, tell them to get lost. You need to run. You need to be like Joseph. Flee. Flee. Run away from anything that leads you away from God. Abandon the lusts and passions of this world. Live life now in this age with awareness and self-control, doing the right thing and keeping yourself holy. Watch for his return. Verse 13, watch for his return. 
See, if you're out there doing what the world is doing, you're not going to be looking for the return of Jesus Christ. I promise you. Nobody's looking for Christ that's out there having a big old orgy and playing in this world, the cesspool that we call the world, and they're out here trying to have their trying to get their money, trying to get cars, trying to get big houses, and they're having this big old party, the cesspool that they call the world, the free world. But really, it's the new world order because nobody really wants – these people don't want to follow Jesus. Jesus requires a certain type of – he requires obedience. He requires us to submit to him, not to submit to our flesh and our feelings and our emotions. Who cares about what we feel? If it's not lined up with his word, our feelings mean nothing to it. If it's not lined up with his word, we're not walking by faith. We're walking by feelings. And feelings are self-destructive. Self-destructive. He says, watch for his return and expect the blessed hope we all will share when our great God and Savior Jesus, the anointed, appears again. Man, are you looking for this? Are you looking for this? Are you, do you want to live a pure life now so you can receive this blessed hope when he comes and he'll say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, Brian, Claudia, Beverly. Do you want to be ex- experience what he has for us that's going to last for eternity, or are you trying to get what's going to just last temporarily? Because, see, your party today could be your burial tomorrow. What you enjoy today out there in the flesh, tomorrow you might be spending eternity waiting for the judgment, the great white throne of judgment, that is, when you'll stand before him and have to give an account. There are people in Sheol right now waiting to be judged. They're waiting to be judged because hell is not occupied. The lake of fire is not occupied as we know it. There's three three names for hell, and we'll get into that another day. But the hell that people are waiting for that have died without Jesus Christ, friends, they're waiting in the pit of darkness, just like those angels that he put into darkness, Tartarus. I believe that's the Greek word for Tartarus. And those people will wait for the final day of judgment when Jesus Christ will put death and Hades or death and hell in the lake of fire. That's going to be the final judgment for everybody. There's no, there's no praying them out of there. They're there because they rejected the love of the truth that they might be saved. They're there because they did not want to surrender and submit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or they had a form of godliness. Many people have a form of godliness. But they haven't followed, they're not following Jesus in holiness. Morality. Demanding or commanding purity. Commanding purity. God commands purity. Immorality today is running out of control, my friends. It is time that we stood up as the body of believers and demand purity or command purity from ourselves and those around us. We must demand and command purity on the issue of, one, personal speech, two, modesty, and three, sexual activity or sexual morality. This lesson today is that each listener should be more resolved to to submit themselves to the king of glory in all purity in their personal situation or personal lives. Personal lives were commanded to live a life that brings glory to God. 
Our aim here is to reinforce in the mind of the hearer the need for demanding purity. Again, Titus 2 and 11, we open with that. Paul says that the grace of God teaches. The grace of God is a teacher. Jesus was a teacher. He was a great teacher. He was a master. He was a rabbi. He came to teach his disciples. Three and a half years he spent teaching them and training them up so that they would be equipped that when he left, that the Holy Spirit would fill them and they would have boldness and they would be out there on the front line ready to teach and to exhort and admonish and to rebuke with the truth. Paul says that the grace of God teaches us. It teaches us that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We are commanded to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Do we fail in this, my friends? All of us do, if we're honest. We all fail in this. But should that be the standard? No. The standard is Christ. The standard is the cross. The standard is redemption and regeneration. The standard is walking in the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything apart from the Spirit. We can't do anything apart from if we grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, there won't be any victories. We'll be defeated and knocked down every time. But God says if we submit ourselves to the Spirit, we won't make provisions for our flesh. We won't make provisions for our flesh or excuses, so to speak. Every day now, you know, people, I talk to lots of people and they make excuses. And I'll make excuses if I'm not careful, because that's what we do as humans. When we backed up in a corner, we first thing we do is retreat with an excuse instead of saying, you know what, I'm busted, I'm caught, forgive me, Lord, I surrender. First we ask God to forgive us. Then we ask our brother and sister to forgive us that we offended by being a stumbling block. But we don't need to make excuses as believers, because all we're doing is saying God is a lie when we make an excuse. He tells us, it teaches us that we are not, or that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. This is what the grace of God does for the believer. It teaches that we are to live soberly and righteously and godly. This is not talking about just uh, in a sense of liquor. It's talking about having our minds girded up. 1 Peter 1.18 tells us that we need to have a sober mind. We need to be, have our minds girded of Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes our minds are flapping around. They just, we just giving our minds to lust and carnality and, and ungodliness and wickedness. And we know we do it. I'm guilty. We all got to admit it. We sometimes put things in our mind. We watch things we shouldn't watch. We submit to music that we shouldn't be hearing. All kinds of things that we let in our mind, and we act like we're strong enough that we can just, and it's just going to pop out. No, it don't work like that, friends. You can listen to a song that you ain't heard in 20 years, and I guarantee you hear it and it'll take you down memory lane, especially if you're around my age in 50s or so. You know it. That song will take you back down memory lane, and that memory wasn't of God. He says it teaches us that we are to live soberly and righteously and godly. We can't do this apart from the Spirit. We can't do this apart from some submission. We have to have a daily attitude that we're going to wake up every day, and we're going to let, A, we're going to submit to Jesus. We're going to submit to the Holy Spirit so that we can be able to be teached 
taught that day because if we have a teachable spirit, then we'll have a maturing spirit or maturing a maturing walk, which will allow us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And then, therefore, it teaches us that we are to live a soberly and righteous and a godly life. Our situation today that is not the only issue on which we need to stand. Basic morality is being eroded away everywhere we go, friends. You can't go down a street nowadays, especially in Los Angeles or any major city, where you won't see something that's trying to stimulate us as men or women in, 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 in so much you look up and you see the half-naked woman or even a so-called toothpaste commercial has become very sensual and sexual because they know what they're doing. Satan knows what he's doing. He wants an immoral society because every immoral society has fallen, corrupted. The Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Syrians, the Persians, all of these people were idolaters and whoremongers. Every one of these corrupt nations, and Rome even had its secrets buried, buried in the Vatican. They just did it with the name of Jesus tacked on. They did it under the cloak of Jesus. But they did it. See, there's nothing hidden under the sun that won't be revealed, my brothers and sisters. There's nothing that we can do that God doesn't see. Everything that we've done in the body of Christ, he's going to play this back to us and show us. And we need to make sure we're fessed up, confessed, and we're repentant. You don't want to be caught on that day in some kind of, you know, secret, whatever. I was talking to a gentleman maybe about a month ago. And we were having, we had probably a good hour-long conversation, maybe more. And first, he's telling me about, first he's telling me about his, uh, his, 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 his wife, and the things that she was doing. But yet, he didn't come clean to maybe thirty or forty minutes about his own affair that was going on. I'm like, no, hold on, bro. We gotta, you know, we gotta clean this up. You got to get yourself together. You can't point out hers. That's like, you know, me. That's that's hypocrisy. That's the blind leading the blind, and they both fall in the ditch. Nobody wins on that. We want to make sure that we got our own house in order. You know, you can't you can't expect your wife to follow you when you do you out there doing dirt on the side. I never hear from him no more, but that's okay. He heard the truth. I've learned a long time ago. I, I've had to come to the realization, Daryl, you're not saving anybody. Daryl, you're not going to, you're not bringing, uh, you're not uh, the Holy Spirit. So it's not your ministry. Whatever God does with the word, praise God. I'm just, I'm just a vessel. I'm not here to, I can't save anybody. All I can do is present the word. I'm the mailman. Can't get mad at me for delivering the message. If I give you some news you don't like, that's between you and God. But it's not. It's, that don't don't jump on me. I'm just a vessel that God is using, and I don't take no glory or try to say, "Hey, I'm gonna save anybody." I learned a long time ago to get out of God's way and just present the message and let it go where it needs to go. God has prepared the hearts that's ready to receive, ears ready to hear, and He will do whatever he's going to do with that word. But he said it won't come back void. See, one thing about the word is 
Even if it don't save you, it will convict you, and it will bring you to justice one day. Let me say that again. Even if the word don't save you, it will convict you and bring you to the throne room or the great white throne of judgment, and God will hold you accountable for what you did with it. You said you didn't want to hear it. You, Brother Daryl ministered to you. Somebody else came along and watered it. But God wanted to give you the increase, and you said no to Jesus. I got my own. I'm going to wait till I, to, to right before I die. I'm going to wait till I, right before I die, and then I'm going to get right with God. And he says, oh, really? You're dead now. You're standing before me. There's no relation. There's no hope after this. You rejected the message on earth, so now you want to go to glory with an unrepentant heart? Oh, no. You can't repent in heaven. It's a done deal. Again, basic morality is being eroded away every day. You can't watch anything on TV nowadays without some wickedness, some vile speech, dropping F-bombs. The young people know more how they know how to curse you out more than they know their ABCs. Can't spell half the words, but they know how to cuss you out. They know all the curse words because they listening to all the quote unquote rap stars, which are crap stars, because they peddling out this wickedness. They telling these young men how to degrade women. They telling women how to degrade themselves. See, ladies, let me just share this with you. No man can do anything that you don't allow him to do. And if you show yourself so thirsty for the things of the world and you're not thirsty for the living water, I promise you, you will continue to get what you've always gotten. And that's insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, thinking that you're going to get a Boaz and all you keep getting is Buster Brown and he keeps playing you like a clown. The lady's got a slick game now. Because now they've learned to flip the script and say, hey, hey, I'll, I'll just use what I got to get what I want. But at the end, nobody wins. Satan laughs at you all the way to the lake of fire. We need to tell these young people that they're, this is not the real world. And that one day they're going to have to pay for their sins. And they can't pay for their sins, so who's going to pay for the debt? While you're chasing money, you got 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds around here wearing gold chains and wearing all this bling-bling, and they want Nikes and Jordans, and they want all of this stuff, the superficial, that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God, which has nothing to do with a pure life. They're barely out of diapers and already having sex. 10-year-olds getting pregnant. 11- and 12-year-olds. It's an epidemic of sexual impurity and sexual immorality, and we seem to be condoning it from God's house. We seem to be condoning this behavior from the house of God. We're throwing baby showers for these little young ones. Why? Why are we saying it's okay to go out there and get pregnant? Why is it okay for you to go out there and look for somebody to love you? Why can't we love these young, young kids biblically the way God has called us to love them? The Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. If we at least do that much, we can't watch them 24 hours a day. But guess what? We can do the right thing by training them and letting them know that they don't have to look for love outside of the body of Christ. That believers will love on them and care for them and, 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 and speak, speak truth into them. He says the word, David said, 
In Psalm 119, that word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man or woman keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Oh, if we all had a newness when we were younger, maybe some of us were, maybe some of us were in a Bible teaching church at a young age where the word was taught and you didn't get a pastor that hooped and hollered and walked the pews but didn't teach you anything. But he actually opened up the scriptures, and he gave you sound doctrine. He taught you what it meant to live a pure life, that your body wasn't made to whore around with every uh, Jane and John. In America, friends, people don't want the truth no more. They don't want it. Nobody seems to want the truth except when all hell is breaking loose. Then, oh, Lord, help me, save me, Jesus. It's kind of like when Moses took the children out of Egypt, it was hard to get Egypt out of them. While they were at the foot of Mount Sinai, they, they thought when Moses did, was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, what did they do? They started to whore among themselves because it was easy to get them out of Egypt, my friends, but it was hard to get Egypt out of them. So they started the idolatrous practices that they had learned while they were in bondage. And a lot of us, we go back to the pig pen of our sin when we were in the world. Because sometimes God doesn't give us what we want when we want it. So we we start to murmur and complain. And next thing you know, we go back. We go back. Three points. Three points. Personal speech, modesty, and sexual immorality or sexual activity. We must demand purity on the issue of personal speech. When I, when, we was, when I was growing up, we didn't hear bad language on television like we do now. We didn't. You know, as you started seeing it, as I started seeing the 70s, you start seeing a little, little slight here and there, and they might say that, you know, use the D word. But now, man, everything is open. Open It's open for, you know, interpretation. And you know what? The sad thing about it is you've got so-called believers with on Christian, uh, de- they're having debates about this. Is it okay for Christians to curse? Are you kidding me, friend? Are you kidding me? Why is that even a debate? Why am I debating about something that God already clearly said in his word? Let no wholesome, let no unwholesome speech proceed out of your mouth, except which is edifying. Let no unwholesome speech proceed out of your mouth. But we say we need to debate about it. We need to have a discussion. Are you kidding me? It is sinful for Christians to use foul language, plain and simple. Businesses recognize that using foul language is bad for business. You know, and you know, it's, it's 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 funny that how people speak in corporate America around a corporate meetings is far different than they might speak on the phone to you or speak when they're dealing with person dealing with you personally. It's amazing how people can turn it on and turn it off. It's amazing how people can walk into the household of faith and they seem to know how to talk without raising their voice and not cursing you out. But as soon as they get out the doors, they ain't even crossed the parking lot good and they're already saying something derogatory and defiled coming out of their mouth and they think God didn't hear it. 
but they think they, well, you know, I ain't perfect. We ain't perfect. That's our excuse nowadays. We're not perfect. When it fits us, we're not perfect. The Bible teaches us that foul language is sinful. Colossians 4, 6. Colossians 4, 6 tells us this. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man or woman. Let your speech, your vocabulary, your words be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man or woman. The word man is neutered, so I say man or woman. I don't want nobody to think this is just for the men. See, that's what the men, for the men, no. It's neutered. It means it's male or female. How you speak to anybody, a child. Let your speech be always with grace. That means with, 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 with serenity, with love, with peace, with, in, in a dispensation that people want to answer back. They want to talk. They want to have a dialogue with you. When they can't have a dialogue with us, they're not going to want to hear anything about our God. Everybody's not going to want to hear about God, but at least if we let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, we might be able to get a dialogue. When they say, man, I like it. I enjoy talking to you. I've had Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, and they was pleased and happy to talk with me. We didn't agree, but guess what? They knew that I cared enough to listen to what they had to say, and I asked them to give me the same respect because I'm coming with the truth. But I'm not going to be all arrogant. It's God's word. I just sow it. I just throw it out there and let it fall on the heart that may be tender, that it may break up that follow ground, and it may get down deep in that soul, and it might raise up or sprout up, and that person might wake up one day and come to saving faith. Do you know there's multitudes of Muslims out there that are having dreams and visions of the true and living Jesus Christ, and they're coming out of Islam, and they're coming into a personal relationship with the Messiah, with King Jesus. That's what God can do. He's not impotent, friends. He can speak to anybody at any given time and share the message of hope with them. He can speak at any given time. Ephesians 4.29. He tells us, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that means building up, encouraging, encouraging, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Don't you want to be edified? Don't you want to stimulate somebody to want to come to church, want to come and hear the word of God? They want to come and be blessed by the word? All we have to do is be able to show them light And with that light, they might be drawn more closer to Jesus by our witness. When they see how much we love them, say, hey, man, won't you just come to church with me one night? Won't you just come and hear the word? You planted the seed, and they might go to to church that next week with you, and all of a sudden, God gives uh, us, your pastor waters it, and maybe a couple more times they want to come. They want to talk. They want to come to a Bible study. It's just those little, little, little You're doing your part. You're being a mailman. You're sowing the seed. If we've got a foul mouth and we're around there, you know, flapping at the gums, cussing folks out and talking crazy to people, and we're talking about we Christians, no, that's not Christ. That doesn't represent the cross. That's not going to bring glory to his name. That's not going to minister grace to them. That's not going to, they're not going to hear the grace of God in their ears. They're not going to hear him. 
He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of, the ed of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Like right now, just ministering grace. Yeah, I'm passionate, very passionate about this because it's important because souls are at, souls are out there. Lost and dying souls are out there, friends. I can't do it all. I'm, I'm only going to scratch a surface. I just want to be used. I want him to take this word and take it as far as it'll go. If it's one person a day that hears the message of the cross and they respond to it or they, they, they it pricked their heart and then the next day somebody else may come along and water that seed and the next day somebody else comes along and waters and we don't know when it's going to come to flourishing. We don't know when that person is going to come out of darkness. But the issue is, did we plant? Did we plant? Did we plant? If we don't do, if we don't say anything, then the word will never be, never go out. Ephesians five three and four twelve. Read Ephesians five, verse three, four, and twelve. I'm gonna just go ahead and read the whole thing so we get it. Verse one: Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and have given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness, cleanliness, covetousness, and let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. We read this from the voice. A little exhortation. We come to God as sinners, but he wants to transform our habits, attitudes, and practices into the ways of Jesus to live, to live, forgive, and love as he did. Verse, verse 1 again of this same chapter, Ephesians 5. So imitate God. Follow him like adored children and live in love as he anointed the one loved you. As the, excuse me, as the anointed one loved you so much that he gave himself uh, as a fragrant sacrifice, pleasing God. Listen, don't let any kind of immorality be breathed among you and dem uh, demoralizing behaviors, perverse sexual acts, uncleanness, greediness, and the like are inappropriate topics of conversation for those set apart as God's people. In other words, the Lord doesn't want us having any kind of unfruitful conversation of sexual immorality with someone other than your spouse. He didn't want us having those conversations. You know, start telling somebody about, you know, what you like and what this and this and that. And that. that should be between you and your spouse. I would say if you're being engaged, if you're engaged, about to get married, there are certain things with limitations you can talk about because maybe both of you have been married before, so it might be some things you might discuss, but that's because you and that person are getting married. But he tells us, he says, don't, he says this, he says, uh, in verse 3, listen, don't let any kind of immorality be breathed among you, and any demoralizing behaviors, any demoralizing behavior. You know what a demoralizing behavior is. You're trying to do a, make a porn video with your girlfriend, that's demoralizing. Straight up, 
is demoralizing, perverse sexual acts. You know what they are, trying to get some animals, kids, a threesome, whatever you're trying to do that's outside of what God describes as what happens in the marriage bed in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, you know clearly what's perverted. Uncleanness, greediness, and the like are inappropriate topics of conversation for those set apart as God's people. Don't swear or spurt nonsense. Don't make harsh jokes or clown around. Make proper use of your words and offer them thankfully in praise. This is what we know for certain. No one who engages in loose sex, impure actions, and greed, which just which is just a form of idolatry, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and his anointed. Verse 6, don't be fooled by people whose sentences are compounded with useless words, empty words. They just show they are empty souls. For in this, for in his wrath, God will judge all the children of disobedience for these kinds of sins. Verse 7, so don't be persuaded into their ignorance and don't cast your lot uh, with them because although you you were once the personification of darkness, in other words, we lived a life that reflected this at one time, you are now light in the Lord. So act like children of the light. For the fruit of the light is all that is good, right, and truth. Verse 10, make it your aim to learn what pleases the Lord, our Lord. Don't get involved with the fruitless works of darkness. Instead, expose them to the light of God. Verse 12, you see it's a disgrace to speak of their secrets, so don't even talk about what they do when no one is looking. He says don't talk about it, but expose it. Don't talk about it. Don't don't try to reminisce on sin. We all look, we all are guilty of that. We all have a have our moments where we go back down memory lane. And that's why it's important for us to keep our minds renewed and girded up. This is how we have victory, friends. This is how we stay in the will of God. Because see, our mind is going to be something that God is going to play back. He's gonna He's gonna pull that chip so to speak, out of our mind and plug it right into his, his super uh, spiritual TV, and he's going to show us exactly what we was thinking about, what we was really meditating on, how we had lust in our minds, how we had things in our hearts that weren't in line with Scripture. How much time we got here? How much time we got here? 58 minutes, all right, good, good, good. 646-668-8468, Amen, amen. Back to our lesson here. The next one is modesty. Modesty. Television has numbed our minds to immodesty. We are no longer shocked when we see women in lingerie or on television. Commercials, sitcoms, dramas, special presentations, they all continue to push the accepted edge of modesty. Our society has literally forgotten how to blush, Jeremiah 6.15 and Jeremiah 8.12. Let's go to 6.15 first. Jeremiah 6.15 and then 8.12. Jeremiah 6.15. Hallelujah. And friends, this is not, this, hey, we all need work. We all are a work in progress. Let's be honest. We all are a work in progress. None of us have arrived. 
I'm the, I'm the first one to tell you I haven't arrived. Still a, he's still working on me. He's preparing me. I'm going to read this out of the uh, – we're going to go down here to verse – we're going to go down here to verse, uh, what did I say, 615? 615, but we're going to back up here to round verse uh, 11, 12. Uh, right here, verse 11. He says, but I'm welling up with – I am welling up with his anger. I'm reading out of the voice translation. If you read out another translation, I understand. He says, but I'm welling up with his with his anger. I'm too tired to try to hold it in any longer. Pour it out on children playing in the streets, on young men meeting together, husbands and wives old and even very old. Let each of them know they will be taken. Their homes will be seized and, and lived in uh and lived in by others, so too. So, too, will their fields and their wives be taken from them and given to others when I reach reach out against the people of this land. Now, this is God talking about Israel during the time of Jeremiah. Because remember, Jeremiah was a prophet who came to warn the people of Israel what God had said. He was getting ready to send a wicked nation, a nation that they had defeated before, but he was getting ready to send a wicked nation upon the children of Israel because they had been in idolatry for too long and God was not going to look over their sins anymore. They would not repent. The king was wicked. He had stopped following God. They stopped worshiping God. They stopped sacrificing to the true and living God, and they had been giving up sacrifices to idols. God had had enough with their shenanigans and enough with their religion and he was getting ready to basically put them into captivity. And that's what God will do. He will take you and put you into captivity. Now, you might say, well, I'm in America, and I'm not, I'm not enslaved. Oh, yeah. When you're a slave to your sin, you're in captivity. When you can't seem to break the shackles of your own sinfulness, wretched lives, when you seem to can't be able to get free, it could be because God has turned you over to a reprobate mind because you've been playing church for the last 15 or 20 years, and you've been hearing the word, but you have not been believing by faith and walking in the truth. So God had had enough with Israel at this particular time, and this is where they were being, they were going to be led off to the Babylonians. He says in verse 12, their homes will be seized and lived and lived in by others, so too will their fields and wives be taken from them and given to others when I reach out against them, uh, the people of this land. Greed has corrupted this culture from the least to the greatest, and all are tainted with the lust of what they don't deserve. The prophets and the priests are no better. Their lives reek with deceit. To heal the brokenness of my people, they offer superficial words. They say, peace, peace, as if all is well. This is what Israel was doing. This is what the church does now. Oh, everything is fine. We all good. But the whole church is in sin. Whole church is in living immodest, immoral, full of deceitful speech, ungodly speech. Oh, you think that if God did not judge Israel, if he judged Israel, will he not judge America for her hypocrisy and idolatrous ways? He said, I never change. In uh, Malachi chapter 3, he says, I change not. Do we believe that? Or do we think that grace is just going to, he just going to throw grace on top of that and let you have what you want? Don't be deceived. Verse, verse 15, but there is no peace. Do they feel any shame of their disgraceful deeds? Absolutely not. 
My very own have forgotten how to blush. And so it is that they will fall among the fallen and be defeated. Then uh, when, when the time comes, they will stumble beneath the weight of my punishment. They will know soon enough what they have done. <laughs> See, the church is so full of pride now. The Church of Jesus Christ here in America, I'm not talking about the name Church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about those who profess to know Jesus Christ by faith, but they seem to walk by sight. They're supposed to be walking by faith, but they seem to be walking by sight, what they can see. If they see a bunch of people cock-a-doodle-doing and, you know, speaking in a gibberish language and doing all kinds of things and running around the church, they want to jump on the bandwagon because they're scared they don't miss something. And the truth, the word of God doesn't condone that. You can't find it in scripture, but that doesn't matter because we want a new thing. We want to feel something. And the Bible says we need to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. So we see here very clearly what happens. We see here very clearly what happens when people... Do not blush when they don't feel any shame for their sin anymore. When they don't want to bow down to the true and living God, they tend to want to bow down to an idol. You have no choice because when God is not there speaking to you, you'll start looking for something other than God. You'll start looking for other things than God. And God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. But see, when you're blind, you can't see. I can't talk. I can't talk. Take a message. Take a message. Tell them I'll call back. Bye, Mom. Sorry about that. <laughs> we need to, uh, again, we need to understand, friends, that our society has literally forgotten how to blush. Also in Jeremiah 8:12, he says it again. Jeremiah 8, verse 12. Jeremiah 8, 12. <clears throat> he says here, do they feel any shame for their disgraceful deeds? Absolutely not. My very own have forgotten how to blush, and so it is that they will fall among the fallen and be defeated. When the time comes, they will stumble beneath the weight of my punishment. We have to understand, friends, the book of Lamentations was a byproduct of what happened to Israel when she was taken into captivity by the, uh, by the Babylonians, and there was a, there was a, a attack from, from the Babylonians as well as the Persians and the Medes, and uh, all these different, uh, these wicked nations that had came up against Israel, God sent them. He, he purposely sent judgment upon his people because his people had basically committed idolatry, and God did not take it lightly. They were worshiping a false god. They were worshiping the god of the flesh, and God was not going to allow them to continue to ruin his name and make him look bad. Not after all he had done. Remember, God led Israel out of Egypt. God led Israel into the promised land and caused them to defeat the enemies that came against them. God led the, the victory over uh, those who uh, 
Remember when King David uh, was fighting with Goliath and the Philistines? God gave them victory. Every victory that Israel's had, they had it because God was with them. And still, God is protecting them, even to this day. Even to this day, God is still faithful. He's keeping his covenant, and he's one day going to come back. Jesus Christ is going to come back, and he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split. God's going to be dealing with Satan, the flesh, all those who have rejected his message, and they will have to give an account. Again, he tells us here, our society has literally forgotten how to blush, how to feel ashamed, how to feel uh, 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 any kind of conviction. We need to be reminded what God's standard of modesty is. In Genesis 3.21, we see here, he says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. In other words, after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, they opened up their eyes and were able to see each other in the nakedness. And before that, they hadn't saw each other naked. They didn't see any reason to be ashamed. They just looked at themselves as just two people. They were all free willy. It was all natural. But after they opened their eyes to the truth, after their eyes were opened because of their sin and their, uh, their rebellion against God's word, because he told them not to eat of that fruit, of that tree, and they decided to listen to a snake, Eve listened to the snake, and Adam listened to Eve, and nobody was listening to God, and there was a judgment that came upon the whole earth. First Peter 3, 3-5. First Peter 3, 3-5. Who's, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair. He's talking to the women, and the wearing of gold or putting on of, of apparel, but let it be with hidden with the hidden man of the heart in that which is no corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great, of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Here, Peter reminds, uh, reminds the ladies, the sisters of their responsibility that it's okay to look nice. You'll find some churches that try to tell you, oh, you can't put lipstick on it. You don't find nowhere in Scripture that it's forbidden to wear lipstick. Get that out your spirit. If your church is teaching that, ask them chapter and verse. Because you can't use this because he's telling, not telling them, to, he's not forbidding them to wear it. He's saying don't let that be the, 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 the uh, don't let that be uh, the, your salvation. Don't try to win somebody or man to the Lord by how you look. Or draw a man's attention by how you look. God is not concerned about how you look on the outside, but more how you look on the inside. What's going on in your heart? Just like that credit card commercial. What's in your wallet? God wants to know what's in your heart. He already knows. But any man that's coming to a woman, he should want to know what's in your heart. He should want to know, do you have a heart for God and the things of God, or do you have a heart for this world? Will you love God more than you love me? That should be your standard. If a man does not love you more than he, I mean, love God more than he loves you, then he's not called by God. He's not your boaz. And if you don't love God more than you love him, you're not his roof. Too many people get married in the flesh because of this very scripture. They look at the outward. 
certain people we, we get, look, let's be honest. Men, we have a certain look about women that we look for. Certain body structures we look at. Certain types of bodies, certain types of light skin and dark skin. We have a different, all men have a criteria. It's nothing wrong with having a certain a particular type of woman you like, but she better be a woman that fears God. She better be a woman that is adorned on the inside, that her heart is right with God. Because if she's not, all you got is an outward Jezebel. And the more you love God, the more she's going to despise you, and the more she's going to give you hell in your house. And that goes for you ladies that's looking at that dude with the muscles and the physique and the six-pack, the eight-pack, or whatever. Let me tell you something. If he got all that, chances are he got some more women that's looking at that too because he's full of himself. But if he loves God and fears God, then and only then can you trust him to be able to love you the right way. Next point. Next point. Running out of time. First Timothy 2, 9 and 10. We're talking about modesty now. First Timothy 2, 9 and 10. He tells us here. But which becomes women professing godliness with good works. Verse 11, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. Now, some people are going to hate me for this. I do not believe in women pastors. The Bible clearly says that a woman cannot usurp authority over a man. So if, 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 you're, if he's the head of the household, what does, she, what does he do? He submits to her when she goes to a pulpit? No, that would be a, that would be a contradiction of Scripture. Not saying a woman can't teach, can't say that a man can't learn from her. There are a lot of godly women out there that know way more than me. Not saying, denying none of that. But God has given a specific role to men, just like I cannot have a child because he gave that role to a woman. I cannot be the kind of nurturer that she is because those are her feelings and emotions, and God specifically gave that to women that he didn't give them to a man. Why, does it, why do I know that? How do I know that? Because he tells the men to love their wives, but he never tells the wife to love her husband. It's imputed in them to do that. It's imputed. Women want love, not the physical first. She wants to be loved and nourished. She wants that man to come alongside of her and to let her know that she is secure and that she's protected and that she will be loved on and cared upon. She wants that. That's her nature, and especially when she's a godly woman, though. When she surrendered it all for the sake of the cross, she wants that. She wants that Boaz. She ain't going to fight a whole lot against Boaz. Because she wants Boaz. Some women just haven't learned how to appreciate a Boaz yet. That's why they keep accepting busters. And they get, get they keep getting broken up. They get, their whole house is getting, you know, it's like after you do things for so many years, you need to know without a doubt that, hey, this is getting old. Maybe I need to see, see what God has to say about this. Stop just flipping through the Bible like a comic book and start really getting into some study and learn my role as a woman. And men need to learn their role as a man. As a man, so when you do that, then you you'll save yourself a lot of heartache. But you're not gonna make God look bad. Every time you jump in a relationship with somebody that's not of God, that God didn't send you, you have more and more chances of being hurt, and more and more chances of, of being uh, sucked into this into another destructive relationship, and it's not gonna benefit you. And you can sit there and act like, oh, that ain't happening to me. I ain't letting no man do this to me. I ain't let God will allow it to happen to you. He'll put blinders over us, friends. 
God will allow, allow the enemy. If he allow the enemy to have at us, and we can, we can be right there and the enemy will still get at us. So God can allow your bad behavior or your disobedience to be a judgment upon you. Until you repent and say, Lord, forgive me for this. You told me not to marry this person. You told me not to get with this person. You told me not to lay with this person, but I thought I knew better because I thought if I didn't do it, that somebody else was going to do it. should let the somebody else be the fool, not you. Sexual activity, number three, the last point here, sexual impurity, sexual impurity. All of these are dealing with impurity, how you dress, how you speak. Those are impure, impure lifestyles that are not pleasing to God. And the church should not be a partaker of these things. All of these things are dealing with impurities. God commands us to be pure in the body of Christ. Sexual activities. From Bill Clinton to Kobe Bryant, our society reeks with sexual immorality. Colleges teach students how to have safe sex. What is safe sex, friends? What does that really mean? <laughs> what, I'm going to give you a piece of rubber? and think that's going to save your soul, it's going to save you, keep you from having an STD or a pregnancy? Why we still have, why the baby boom keep coming up? Why are we still having more and more babies? For a society that's selling more and more rubbers, why are we, and more and more birth control, why are people not, why are we still having more children with no fathers in the house? It's not going to make that man stay around because you put a rubber on. Or not gonna make that woman stay around, or you know. And now some of the women are leaving the the children with the man. They just drop them off and don't come back. Say, hey, you take care of the baby. I'm going out here and live my life. You do something with it. Again, colleges teach students how to have quote unquote safe sex. The devaluation of the marriage relationship has resulted in rampant promiscuity. Rampant. Look, friends. We live in a society where the porn industry is over $150 billion worldwide. Why is that? Because we love sexual immorality. The world loves stimuli, fornication, pornography. We love anything that gets our flesh revved up, and we all are victims. We all are victims. You can't say, oh, it don't affect me. No, it will affect you. It's like a drug. You put somebody in front of that screen and watch some kind of sexual whatever, it will cause you to fall. It will cause you to give into it in your mind first, and then comes your action. Those who participate in such end up diseased both physically and mentally. You end up diseased, scarred. Friends, I got so much junk in my mind from my past because this was my sin right here. Sexual promiscuity, sexual perversion, sexual immorality, fornication, pornography. That's the root word for fornication, pornography. Pornea is the Greek word. The schools are pressured to lower the age limit for sexual education. Oh, they haven't, they haven't stopped. Look, now we opened up the floodgates for the nursery school kids now, and the, one, the first graders, now they're learning what Mary and Sue are doing. Now there are two mommies in the house, or there are two daddies in the house. Friends, this is nothing but more sexual perversion and more sexual immorality. We confuse these babies at a young age, and we say they need to be loved. God didn't make Adam and Steve. He didn't make Adam and Andrew. He didn't make uh, uh, Eve and, 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 and uh, Evelyn in the garden. 
there wasn't some big old uh, wife swap around there and some big old orgy taking place in the garden or after they were kicked out of the garden. There wasn't none of that. Schools are pressured to lower the age limit for sexual education. In other words, let's teach our children how to be perverted at a young age. Let's wake up those sexual stimuli in our minds, in our hearts. Let's start getting these kids ready for the real world. Satan says, yes, bring them to me. That's what he does. He loves it. He don't care about nobody. He will take a young soul and one that's 105 if he can, but he don't care. His mission is to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's what he's going to do. And he's going to use all the weapons that we've talked about, everything that's going against godliness, everything that's going against the truth, he's going to use it to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He won't succeed, but he's going to take out as many fake believers and make believers that he can. Fornication is, is, is sinful, First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. He says, I'll tell you, my computer a little slow. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7, coming out of the voice. Now, this is God's will for you, that you set yourselves apart and live holy lives, avoid polluting yourselves with sexual defilement. Uh, learn how to take charge over your own body, maintaining purity and honor. Don't let the swells of lustful passion run your life as they do as as they do to the outsiders who don't know God. Look, before we knew God, we didn't know how to put ourselves in check. We didn't know how to think on these things, those things, or, or take, uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ that we would make no provisions for our flesh. We didn't know how to do those things because we didn't know him. The grace of God had not appeared to us until we were quickened and made alive by the Spirit of God. Once he woke us up, we understood the love that God had for us. And his love was greater than our sin. And his love was better than our sin because he was able to take our sin debt and move, remove it as far as, as the east is to the west. He says, don't let the swells of lustful passion run your life as they do the outsiders who do not, who do not know God. Don't violate or take advantage of a fellow believer in such matters. As we, as we told you before and warned you, the Lord will settle the score with anyone who does these things. Here's why. God does not call us to live impure, adulterous, scandalous lives, but to seek holiness and purity. That's the commandment, friends. He's calling us to live free from adultery, scandalous, scandal, and, 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 to, and to seek holiness and purity. Hmm. Why do people want to do the wrong thing? Because it's in our sin nature. Even though we've been saved, sanctified, and we're still processing and we're still running towards, the, 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 running towards glorification, you and I still have the propensity to give in to our flesh. We have the propensity to let our eyes wander and lust. We have the propensity to do those things that are not pleasing to God, but the only way, only thing different about us now is that we make choices. If we're in the spirit, we won't make provisions for the flesh. If we're in the spirit. 
And when not walking in the spirit, you have no choice but to make provisions for the flesh. You'll think upon the wrong thing, and from the time you think upon it, next thing you know, you're living it. It's a, it just it's a matter of 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 who we're gonna serve today, who we will serve today. That's all that matters. Well, who we gonna serve today? Is for God has not called us unto uncleanness, but to, but to, unto holiness. See, when you've been called by God, then you have the ability to say no to the flesh. Yeah, the flesh is 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 is, is trying to draw you, drag you back out in that world, and you saying, uh uh-uh. uh, uh uh, Holy Spirit, I need you. Feel me right now. I need you, God, to to come right now and rescue me. I feel this urge. I feel weak, Lord, but I need you right now. You said if I called upon you. Sometimes we don't get victory because we don't call upon him. We don't make it a we don't make it a, a joyful noise. We don't call out and reach out to him and say, Lord, I need you right now. I'm weak. I'm about to fall. I'm, I feel myself slipping, Lord. I need you to call. I need you to come quickly. First Corinthians 6.18 says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sins against his own body or her own body. The devil is a lie, friends. Don't let him tell you that God is not able. The Bible says flee. We have the authority to flee because we have the spirit of God in us to flee. We have everything we need to live a Christian life. All we have to do is put the full armor of God on. All we have to do is walk in the spirit and we won't gratify the lust of the flesh. All we have to do is believe by faith what the word of God says and walk in it. We have all the tools. We just need to live it. Galatians 5.19. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Those are the works of the flesh. Those are the things that will cause you and I to fall and stumble and to keep making excuses because we won't walk in the spirit. If we walk in the spirit, we won't act out the works of the flesh, even though we might think about it. Even they might not come by, they might come through our mind, but we, we can rebuke them. The Bible tells us we can tear down strongholds. Everything that's not of God, we can bring it under, under the authority of Jesus Christ. We don't have to give in to it. We don't have to let our mind flap around. We can tear down every unclean thought unto the glory of God. We can tear down everything that's un, uh, that's not of God. We can submit it to. We can put it, it uh, lay it at the foot of the cross. Our thoughts can be pure when we walk in the Spirit. Last point, last verse, I should say here, or First Peter four three. I should. <laughs> I got one more verse after this. He says, "For the time, First Peter four three, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrathful." or wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. This was the time past of our life. What we used to do before we came to the cross, that time is over with. We should be done with that. It wasn't bringing us no true happiness before. What makes us think it's going to bring us happiness now? It's not. Only thing that's going to bring us happiness, friends, is obedience. Submitting ourselves to the will of God 
walking in the word of God and standing in the way of God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Any man can come to me, or no man can come to the Father except by me. And we need to know that we can get on the we can get on that narrow road and we know it'll lead us to heaven. The broad road is for those who want to play games in church, those that want to uh, make their name great in the world, in the world, but they're not submitted to the world. I mean, they're not, they want to make their name great in the world, but they're not submitted to the word. For Colossians 3, 5 through 11, real quick, because my battery about to go on my, he says here, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. I'm going to stop there, but you can read 5 through 11 because we are, my battery about to die, and I don't want to uh, cut off before I close out. Ah, I can still go ahead and finish up on the podcast. Though. Anyway, he says in verse 6, For which things sake the wrath of God come upon the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, Verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with its with his deeds. See, the deeds of the flesh, friends, were we need to put we have put those off when we came to the cross. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian. Bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. This message, friends, has clearly displayed what you and I must do to live a pure life if we apply it. This only is fruitful for us if we apply it. This only is beneficial to the believer if he or she applies it. If we fail to do that, we are children. We and our children will be overrun by the flesh, the devil, and the world. The invitation is to come to Jesus Christ and know him as your Lord and Savior right now. You may say, well, how do I do that? Well, it's not a magic formula. It's not not just saying a prayer that's going to make you a, a child of God. It's saying yes to Jesus' invitation for salvation, understanding that his death, burial, and resurrection on Calvary's cross was done so that you and I could have be forgiven and we could be regenerated and we could be made a new creation. All you have to do though, first you have to acknowledge that you are a true sinner, that you've been living a sinful life, that you've been living apart from God, that you've been living your life the way you wanted to, but not the way God has described in his scriptures today how we should live. And you've had no You've had no authority over your flesh to keep it under check. What little authority you think you have, you still were missing the mark. God requires perfection. That's why he sent his only begotten son, because his son set the standard, and through his son, we are made we are able to be restored and be regenerated and made new creations. So you can receive the free gift of salvation by A, confessing your sinner, B, repenting. You turn away from it. You no longer want it. 
When you truly are serious with God, God will fill you with his spirit, the truth. The Holy Ghost will come into you and make his abode in you, and he will give you and lead you to all truth. He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness and make you a, make you a new creation. And your life will demonstrate that you have been born again, born anew, born afresh, a second birth by the Spirit of God. If you really want to know him, all you got to do is say, Lord, I want to know you, and I'm tired of, sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've been living my life as a wretched sinner, and now I need life. And the only way I can get it is life in the cross of Christ. I don't need to do it for you. I don't need to say the prayer with you. You can say it. You and him can do business. You and him can get it right. All I want to know is if you do come to the family, if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, just send me a little message. Hit me up on Facebook, uh, Facebook Instant Messenger at Daryl Kendrick or on Gmail at dkendricksr65. I mean, dkendricksr at gmail.com, and just let me know, hey, I heard the invitation you gave, brother, and I, I gave Jesus, I gave my life to Jesus. And I, I, now I want to know what, what kind of church to get into. What do I need to fellowship at? What kind, what's a Bible-teaching te- church? Because, see, you got to be in fellowship. you got to be in fellowship with Jesus and his people. And don't worry. Everybody there got some flaws. Everybody there. Uh, is under construction. But guess what? God is the one that's reconstructing all of us. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus for your love and grace. We thank you for loving us. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you came to give us life and life more abundantly. And it's because of your finished work on Calvary's cross that you made up, you made a way when there was no way in this world. It's because of your because of the cross, Father, that you gave us hope when there was when this world was hopeless. It's because of the cross, Lord, that you gave us an opportunity to be used by you. And the fact that we can be used by you, Lord, is the greatest blessing that we could ever ask for. It's because of the ability to be that you use us in any way possible. And our, we don't boast in ourselves. We boast in the Lord. We boast in you, Lord, because you gave us life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for putting us under construction because none of us deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be here, but you loved us so much that you gave us life and life more abundantly by the finished work of the Lamb. But I just pray that somebody, somebody out there, if the sound of my voice has heard this invitation and they will receive the free gift of salvation today, right now, and just fall on their knees and say, Lord, I give up. I give up. I've tried to do it with drugs and sex and alcohol and money. I've tried to have that peace, and I haven't had any peace. Somebody out there 
is so empty and void of truth. Somebody out there right now is so empty. And they feel in the pain and the weight of all of this world, and they can't seem to find any relief. They've tried everything, gambling, sex, drugs, alcohol, self-help groups, even religion. And, Lord, all you've called for them to do is just to come, 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 all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you peace. I will give you hope. The name is Jesus, and he's calling you today, my friend. He's calling you out of darkness. He's calling you out of this world. He's calling you out of the flesh. And he's saying, come, my son, come, my daughter. I will show you what it's like to be loved, truly loved. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, my friends. I'm going to call in number 646-668-8468-646-668-8468. If is anybody listening, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. If you want to call in, you got something to share, maybe you want to uh, uh, tell me what you thought about today's message. You know, i like to get some feedback from somebody out there, uh, but... You know, hey, I, I just, um, I'm glad that, that God has spoke to me with this message, and I'm glad that uh, somebody out there, I know it's at least one soul out there that, that heard it, and they received it, and they took it in their spirit and their mind. So I'm just, uh, just going to believe God that he is doing behind the scenes a great work through somebody. So, uh, again, um, Six four six 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 eight eight four six eight is a call in number. If anybody would like to call in and hang around for a couple mi- couple minutes, we'll play a quick song, and we're going to uh, uh, trust God that He would uh, bring somebody through uh, while we're waiting. Quick song, dead to sin, friends, dead to sin, alive to Christ. Romans chapter six. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Thank you. 
and the other one is at Minister Big Ken 65, and you can be able to hear this message uh, from the uh, live stream on Facebook uh, on either one of those. So, hey, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. My name is Minister Daryl Kendrick, a.k.a. Minister Big Ken, coming to you live from Southern California. Again, I want to remind you, check us out at Core Church, www.corechurchla.org. My Gmail is dkendricksr at gmail.com, Periscope, dkendricksr65 at Periscope, uh, and Blog Talk Radio at Minister Big Ken 65 and uh talks you at Minister Big Ken. So may the Lord bless you, and may you have a great day in his word. God bless each and every one of you. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.